They buried me in the water and I came, I knew. Ha <laughs> ha! Now I'm baptized in blood. What's up, Sheepdog? Welcome to the Changing the Culture podcast. That was my boy at One Time Music. Go look him up on all the socials, Instagram. You can go find all of his music. That song is called Baptized in Blue. You're going to be able to listen to that at the end of this podcast episode. I hope you enjoy this episode and I hope you enjoy One Time's music. He's a fellow police officer. He's the man. I love this guy. Go listen to his shit. I'm really, really excited for you to listen to this podcast episode. You are going to meet a friend of mine. You will know him on social media as The Badge Life and The Badge Life Apparel. Um, his first name is Tony. He is a police officer. Now he's working for the feds and you get to hear his entire story um, about what he went through and how he started uh, his own successful um, apparel line and company and what it's doing now and what sets him apart from the rest. I'm really, really excited for this episode. I hope that you enjoy. Tony, I'm super excited to have you here. You've been a longtime friend of mine online <laughs> and yeah. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. Tell Sheepdog Nation a little bit about yourself. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, well, I've been a police officer since 2003, 2004. Um, I was a local officer, a street cop. Um, in St. Louis for about 12 and a half years or so. Um, and I've been with the feds for the last three and a half, four years. Um, currently, I am in intelligence. And uh, so I've been enjoying that and uh, requires a lot of travel. Um, so it's keeping me busy. But uh, I've been listening to your podcast for quite some time. Uh, I think I discovered you through Instagram. And then uh, started following your page. And I like what you put on your stories and stuff. So uh, I tuned in and uh, I got hooked. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And you own a uh, an apparel line that we all love. What is that called? The Badge Life. Um, yeah, so it's been uh, it's been out for about a year. Um, it's uh, grew pretty rapidly. Um, where I had to actually hire a uh, fulfillment center now to where they handle everything. So no um, kidding. Yeah, so I started with my basement, and within the first six months, it kind of took off. So I needed a lot more help. So uh, now they handle all the dirty work. So that's amazing. Yeah. So, okay, so let's go back. I want to, we're going to talk about all this. So Sheepdog Nation, if you haven't gone and checked out Tony, go to The Badge Life on Instagram. Um, My entire mastermind, we all pretty much have his clothes. Um, I have a lot of clients that have your clothes and I have your clothes and I have, my favorite is the incognito hat though, because it's the black hat that has the badge, but like it's, you wouldn't just know, you'd have to really be looking for it, which right now is a great time to have something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, Tony, so you worked, you were a road cop? Yeah, in St. Louis. Yep, in yep. St. Louis. What was that like? It was good. Um, I enjoyed it. It was um, really busy. Um, so I, I do miss that aspect of, uh, of uh, my policing in my, I guess, the little first 12 and a half years that I did with um so but you know it, it was great I, I learned a lot i mean we responded to any and every call that you could think of um anything from you know your typical domestic to a 
a shooting, um, a homicide. Uh, you know, we, we uh, the area that I was in was uh, very busy. Um, so I, I loved it. I enjoyed that. I loved investigating uh, that type of work, uh, that type of crimes. And, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, I, I think it overall makes you a, a better cop, um, more rounded officer. So it was, it was pretty fast paced. Very fast paced. I mean, we're averaging anywhere between 17 to 24 calls per night per officer in an eight hour shift. So it's pretty busy. Moving. Yeah. Hell yeah. Call to did call. You, did you? Yeah, that's how I was too. I loved it. Call to call. Did you uh, have a partner that rode in your car? No. After the Ferguson riots, uh, just for extra officer safety measures, they uh, gave us a partner. I mean, but again, that was only for a couple months until uh, things kind of cooled off. And then uh, we went back to, uh, you know, solo. So were you, okay. So then tell me, were you, you must, were you 10, eight during, well, in service, I should say when um, Ferguson happened? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we were actually, uh, we were the lead uh, department in the investigation. Um, so we, um, I think the shooting happened sometime in the afternoon, about 10 or 11 o'clock in the afternoon. And then uh, we were uh, down the front lines that same night uh, when we got into work. And then uh, it was, uh, that's all we dealt with for however long it went on, you know, month, two months. How was that for you guys being so close to it? I mean, it kind of sucked um, because I thing i'm sure everybody who's uh been a cop has heard uh quote unquote the ferguson effect yeah um and i think that still carries and again i've only been a cop for 16 years so which i mean grand scheme of things not very long but i have seen like the change in policing dramatically since that even when you know the Mm -hmm. new guys that come out and i've been talking i talked to them um it's just different now than even was, like I said, you know, 10 years ago. So. I was going to say, I mean, I've, I've only been a cop 10 years and I can tell you right now, it's completely different than when I started. Yeah. Like it's night and day different. So I can't even imagine being on the road, you know, cop 16 years, you've seen, you've seen some serious changes. Yeah. So, so did you ever get in any, like, did you ever get in any bad calls or like hot calls? And, um, <laughs> I've been a few hot calls. Um, I've been in uh, three shootings myself. Um, So, you know, there were, um, uh, how should I put it? Uh, I mean, it it was, it kind of, I mean, I was always on, you know, you got to put your head on survival. You know, you always have to, uh, you know, stay alert. And that's one thing, even before going into work, I would always prepare my mind. Uh, what if would happen? Mm-hmm. I know like this, you know, told us in the academy, you think that, and then, but once you've been a cop, you're like, ah, screw that. I don't think that, but that one thing just stood out and uh, I always practice it. And like I said, in my situations, it um, got me out and they were all close calls. So, you know, um, looking back at it, um, I, I do think the training and the mental uh, preparedness did help. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, but again, I've seen a lot and, and, you know, one thing that really sticks out to me, uh, you know, forget about, you know, my shootings, it's, uh, there was a little kid, um, I still remember his day, his name, Uh, he was four years old, uh, midsummer July, and he ran in the middle of the street and got run over by a car. I mean, he was four, four years old, you know, so little stuff like that. His name was Dorian, and I still remember the kid's name. It was, I've seen you know, adults being shot in the head. I've seen people with gunshot wounds or, and, and shotgun, uh, you know, blasts and everything else. But 
seeing a, you know, a three, four year old kid laying in the middle of the street and pool of blood that just sticks with you. Um, Absolutely. you know, I, I saw, you know, um, one winter, I remember we got a call for, uh, an accident on the highway. We got there and the paramedic would hold me back. He's like, don't look at it. I mean, because it was a female, she was decapitated by, she got ran over by a semi. Oh shit. And the only thing you saw was a leg and a piece of butt, like seriously, mm. piece of her ass what? and one leg. And that's all you saw. And he was like, no, you don't want to see it. And I think I was like, only been a cop for, I don't know, six or eight months at the time. So I was like, no, I want to see, I want to see kind of one of those type of things. But, oh, yeah. but I, you know, it's, I mean, I do miss, like I said, I, I miss the actual street work. Uh, you know, I know things have changed and now it's, would I go back to the street? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I do miss it though. I, I think you just can't get that out of you. Let me ask you this. So how, how did it affect you mentally? Like, do you think that you went through anything because of that? Um, so my department, we had pretty good, uh, pretty good protocols in place. Um, after, obviously after my shootings, which is fairly standard, I think through every department, um, they have you go see a psych, make sure you're mentally fit for duty type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that little kid got run over by a car, you know, my captain called me the next day and asked me if I was okay, if I wanted to go see a shrink or whatnot. And I, I mean, I was like, no, I'm fine. And like I said, I've seen so much to where I don't know if I'm just immune to that type of stuff or it just hasn't hit me. I don't know. It's been 16 years, so it's mm. kind of hard to say. Um, but I mean, like I said, only handful of people really know my story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't advertise it, obviously, or just talk about it yeah. um, openly. Uh, but I mean, you know, it, sometimes you look back and you think about it and you like, could have things gone differently or do you need this? Do you need that? And yeah. I had really good um, peer support at my department mm-hmm. um, where, you know, I, I really trusted those handful of three or four guys or girls that you could openly communicate with. Yeah. So that helped. Um, I had a buddy who was on the SWAT team. He was involved in a shooting. Um, the guy stabbed one of our partners in the, uh, in the shoulder. And um, so he had to use lethal force. Um, and so he had kind of been through the same thing, but he handled it way different than I did. So he was always like a good go-to guy. If I wanted to vent or if he wanted to vent, he'd call me, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so I had, you know, a year to listen um, who was, you know, really listening. Um, and, and, you know, kind of if I needed the support, he was there, but like I said, my department, I mean, looking back, I think, Overall, they did a good job. I mean, there's always room for improvement for every department. I don't think they do enough overall in general. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just comes down to money. We don't have the budget. We don't have this. We don't have this. And to me, I think that's just an excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I don't know. I, like, I've, I've never wanted to be a supervisor because I told myself I'd get fired because I'd stand up for my guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the supervisors nowadays, I mean, not all of them, but a lot of them are just admin guys. Yes. And they just want to make sure that they're covered and mm-hmm. they will, you know, leave the officer out and hang uh, to hang dry. Uh, but le- again, my old department, I mean, again, times have changed, but the supervisors I've worked with, I'm not going to say they were all perfect, but I would say, I mean, majority of them were really good. Like they had your back. So when you went on the streets to work, you knew they would, uh, you know, if, if you got into something, they're not going to like sit there and question you. They'll make sure everything is taken care of. Um, they had your back, they give you support, you know, whatever. But, uh, but then you had some that, you know, are just, I call them paper pushers and, mm-hmm. and they would just throw you under the bus. So, you know. Wouldn't you say that the other ones though, the ones that had your back and like they developed 
you know, this culture that was obviously pretty helpful to you because I, I really, I'd like to hear your opinion on it. But in my opinion is, especially when you go through and you have like a tough call, right? What, I mean, you, you talked about a few of them that really stuck with you, right? Maybe the shoots, the child, the, you know, the woman that got run over by a semi, right? Like if you have a good like atmosphere, good culture around you, good supervisors and shit, I mean, it tends to help, right? Versus if you have people around you who just suck, you know, they're just suck the life out of you and they're not supportive and they really don't care. Like I used to work for somebody who he would play video games the entire shift and he was a supervisor. And anytime you would talk to him about something, he would either make a joke or he would just shake it off. Like he was never like there for us and we knew it. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. No. So, I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. And I, and I think any, guy who's been a cop even for six months would just would attest to it if you have a certain supervisor working you know that you can go out and actually police and you have a certain supervisor working you're like okay well he's working or she's working i'm just gonna go park somewhere and just respond to my calls if i have to so yeah having those type of supervisors that openly say hey we have your back um you know go out there as long as you're not doing anything you know illegal or you know something crazy you know we have your back um but you know, there was some supervisors, like I said, I mean, that if he or she was working, I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to do anything tonight. I'm just going to go hang out. Let's pull a car to car and just BS for the next eight hours and respond to our calls and that's it. Uh-huh. Um, but if we had, you know, some of the other supervisors working, um, I mean, we, I remember in, back in the day, um, we had supervisors that would bet, hey, whoever gets the first gun, you know, mm-hmm. um, he gets, you know, wh- whatever. Uh, just yeah, yeah, just yeah. like little kudos. Mm-hmm. Uh, type of thing so it just it just motivated you to go actually go out there and do stuff and we were out there we were gunning and uh, you know running and gunning all day long and we would get dope and gun we didn't get tired of it because we knew we had good supervisors mm-hmm. but then once you got you know once they had a lot of um i worked for a fairly large department so there was a lot of movement so once we got you know new supervisors in and you had to do stuff their way and then some were good some were just you know just didn't want you to do anything because they were scared of their own shadows because they had never done police work themselves and they were in, you know, quiet counties or cities or wherever. And, um, you know, their typical cause was, you know, traffic stops and just responding to auto accidents where we're responding to shootings and I don't care about a traffic stop. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It didn't matter. So, so yeah, it did help. It did help. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So let me ask you this. How's this running and gunning city cop go and say, all right, I want to go work for the feds. Well, so I was next in line um, to go to the homicide unit um, and uh, the lieutenant, uh, I'm sorry, the sergeant of that unit called me one day and said, hey, would you be interested in, uh, you know, um, coming on as a homicide detective? And I said, yeah, sure. And just typical department politics, you know, at that time I had, you know, 12 years on and uh, department politics, like the guys with like four and a half, five years on would get the job. And I was like, this is BS. I'm like, why'd you even call me waste my time? So I got, so I was like, all right, whatever, whatever. So I let it pass me. It didn't bother me in the first few times, but then I was like, you know what? This is becoming like a routine. Like I keep getting passed up because like, I don't drink. Right. So these guys would go hang out with the supervisor on the weekends and get hammered. And, and yeah, if you drink, you drink, that's fine. But it became more of a, a click to where I was left out and like 12 years, knock on wood. I never got written up, never had any issues came to work, did my job, went home, you know, whatever. Um, never had issues, no citizen complaints. I mean, you get, you'll always get complaints, but nothing like crazy, right? So 
Um, but I kept on getting passed out. So I just got pissed off. I was like, this is, I'm like, this is effed up. Um, so I called my buddy, um, the guy that I was telling you earlier about who was in a shooting. And he's like, Hey, I'm in the process with the feds. I know the guy, his email, call him or email him. Long story short, I emailed the guy, he emails him back. He goes, send me a resume. And then one thing led to another. And you know, and then that's the only reason I left. If I was promoted, I would retire out of there. And then when I left, they asked me why I'm leaving. Cause we always have exit interviews. And I told Mopoli, I'm like, it's not even the money where I'm going to make twice as much money. I'm like, it's not even about the money. I'm like, I keep keeping getting passed up for the guys with way less experience. I mean, yeah, he or she's a great cop, but you're only promoting him because he gets hammered with you on the weekends and, and, and passes out with you and you guys sending like drunk Snapchats and I'm doing my job and I'm not getting, you know, any position. So just little stuff like that, you know, after 10, 12 years kind of wears on you and you're like, I'm like, screw it. So that's the only reason I left. Oh, I mean, I loved it. Like I said, till till this day, I miss um, street work, but uh, you know, job with the feds is good. It's, you know, it's more of a very slow pace. Yeah. Uh, It's more investigative than, um, you know, I would say real cop work, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I mean, it is what it is. It's, you know, it's, uh, I, I guess it's a lot safer. It's, you know, that wearing a belt, you know, broke my back, you know, Same. now, now I, I don't have, you know, as many back pains or back issues when I did when I was wearing the belt all the time. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, so, you get the pros and cons. Well, okay. And so how did you tell me about your business that you started up? Tell me about the badge life. Well, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur forever. So I've like, since I was a little kid, so I was always like, um, had side hustles. I mean, I've had plenty some, most of them failed, um, uh, but they were learning experiences. I wouldn't call them. But you do completely. tell us. Uh, I mean, I, I had my hands in a little bit of everything, honestly. And there was like, nothing was like, you know, I, I, I had everything. Like I had a small marketing business that worked that did really well. I had, you know, a little advertising business on the side that did good, but I always had hands, my hand in something. And then I knew I always wanted to do uh, like a fitness line for law enforcement only because I mean, there's other websites out there, but they're just selling like thin blue line flag t-shirts or, or like, you know, um, I don't know, like, 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 like a shirt with a U.S. flag on it. They, like, they're all great, but they're all like very generic. There wasn't like a, and I like fitness. I'm not a fitness guru or nothing, but I just like fitness. So I was like, well, there isn't anything that represents us. So literally one day I was just sitting on the, on, on my bed and the, and I was just scrolling through and I forget what website I came across. And I was like, man, you know what? I'm like, I could probably do it better. Um, uh, it had to do completely separate. And then I was like, Oh, let me start Googling names and stuff. And, uh, um, the badge life stuck. So I looked it up. It wasn't, it was available. And then I just contacted my attorney and got the name trademarked and then, um, found a supplier here in DC, um, to manufacture my stuff for me. So most of my stuff is manufactured here locally in DC and Virginia. And, um, I mean, one thing led to another and then it just kind of took off on its own. I think my Instagram page helped a lot. Um, uh, that kind of blew up, um, on its own. I used to have some videos on there that had almost six, 700,000 views on it. Wow. Um, there was a, there was a time where I was gaining almost like 1500 followers a night. I mean, like wow. I'd wake up in the morning, I'd check my Instagram. It's like, Oh, 1400 new followers, 1500 new followers. And I was like, Oh wow. And then I was like, all right, well, so I changed the name. I, I forgot it was called something else, but anyway, I changed the name to badge life. And then it just took off. And, and like I said, most of my traffic comes from Instagram. Uh, most of my stuff gets sold out like within like first day for the most part. Uh, so I have to like keep, uh, ordering. And that's why I had to hire this uh, fulfillment center because of my work travel. If I'm like, you know, in California, like I just came back from Texas. Um, if I'm traveling, you know, I can't, you know, pack your orders and ship them. So, right. So, so that, so it worked out. I mean, they're expensive uh, and they take like cut whatever, but it's worth it because I'm not really, 
looking to like nickel and dime every penny, you know, to mm-hmm. profit. I, I mean, yeah, profit is great, but right now I'm just not even really focused on profit. I'm just focused on like getting the product out as long as I'm breaking even and customers are happy. Um, I'm good with it right now. So, so tell me, well, tell us, I want to hear a little more about the brand itself, right? So like, what does it stand for? Obviously the badge life, but can you, you, I want to hear in your words. Well, I mean, you pretty much say it says the badge life. And again, the name, the badge life, if you don't wear a badge, you're not going to know what it is, right? So I also wanted to kind of keep it, like you said earlier, somewhat incognito, some whatever. So if I see you at the gym wearing the badge life shirt, I know you don't necessarily have to be a cop because I have a lot of my um, clients are like military and firemen too. So if you have a badge, you could be a corrections, you could be a security guard, um, you know, and they have badges. So if they have a badge, so it's like one big family. Mm. And that's pretty much what the bad stand. I didn't want to stick with the only thin blue line because I've, I've gotten a lot of messages from um, guys that are firemen. They're like, Hey, you have nothing for us. So like slowly I'm trying to incorporate like the thin red line in there. And then some guys from military, like, Hey, you don't have anything for us. So like, so slowly I'm adding, but like I said, most of my clients are, you know, obviously cops, but it's been, it's been good. It's been like self-sustained. Like I don't, I barely do any advertising for it. Um, I mean, if I do it, it's on my Instagram stories. Once in a while, I'll run an ad on Facebook. Uh, but for the most part, it's uh, very, uh, it's on its own. It's organic. I, I don't send out a whole lot of emails. I mean, I do, but not a lot to where you get annoyed. If something new comes out, I'll send an email. Otherwise, I'm not going to just email you just to email you. That's amazing. And so, and you're on Facebook too? Yeah. Um, well, Facebook and Instagram are connected. So it just, whatever I put on Instagram goes automatically to Facebook. Um, and I, on Facebook, I think it's called Badge Life because uh, the Badge Life, I created that page, but then I forgot the password and then Facebook blocked it. Thought I was like some scamming it or something. I don't know. Oh my gosh. So it's Badge Life minus the, but you know. And do you have a, fa- at one time you had a Facebook group. Do you still? I do. Uh, yeah. There's a Facebook group. It's called uh, Badge Life also. Uh, for the most part, I try to keep a fitness stuff, stuff in there. Um, and that thing, I don't know. I only had like three members and then all of a sudden it just took, took off on its own. I think it's had like 14 or 1500 members in there or something. So, wow. uh, I don't have time, a whole lot of time to stay engaged with all that type of stuff. So I actually thought about like hiring somebody to do that for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of the people I've talked to, I mean, they want way too much money. So I was like, no, it's just not worth it. It's just too expensive. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm like, so I'm, I'm still very little to where, you know, I can't afford to pay somebody three grand a month just to put a post on Facebook. It's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is, that's a little ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Well, so what do you think? What's the vision? Like, where are you going with Badge Life? Well, to ba- Badge Life uh, kind of runs itself. I mean, I, I, you know, just with the hats, the weightlifting type of stuff. It, uh, so my, my goal is to keep expanding the line. Um, but I am also working, um, and I don't think anybody knows about this, but um, I'm also working on a, a software um, that will help policing better um mm. that is we're in like the well we're waiting for a patent first so patent got approved on fr- last friday um so it, it's pretty much going to detect crime um cool so so i, I so i mean so that that's in uh and works right now um once that's launched i think that that's going to be the 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 new baby um and then you know like i said badge life it's always going to be there because it, it takes off on its own so i don't i mean my job right now it's fairly easy with bad life so do you think that you're gonna add any like i've been begging you for some really nice leggings <laughs> i know well so the problem is i want to do the female line i couldn't find like okay so th- th- this is what happened so i want to do a, f- a female line 
So I spoke about manufacturers. They're like, I need a bust size. I need the hip size. I need this. I'm like, dude, listen, I'm a guy. I just wear, like, for example, if I wear jeans, it's my waist is 30. I'm like, I want 30, 30. It's easy. He goes, well, for women, it doesn't work that way. I need no. this, this, this. And I was like, I can't. So I would like to actually hire a woman to simply help me make a woman line, a woman's mm-hmm. line. Uh, but I was like, I need this, I need this, because I was going to have sports bras. And he's like, I need this, and then the, the, the cup size, and this size, and this size. I was like, dude, I'm like, okay, you've lost me. And I didn't want to just roll the dice on anything. So I kind of scaled back, and I was like, well, I, I can do the guy stuff, and then hopefully I can do women's stuff. I do get a lot of women that do message me, hey, are you going to add this, are you going to add this? I'm like, yeah, it's just in the works, but I, I'm sorry. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and on DM, like, all right, yeah, what's your breast size? You know? Yeah, yeah. It, it's awkward. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to do that. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I would have to hire somebody with, you know, prior experience in fitness industry um, that can be like, hey, these type of leggings girl wear. Um, this is the material we need. Mm-hmm. This is what will sell. I, I can't just, you know, just wing it. So, because, yeah. I mean, we make everything custom. So, like, it's not pre-made. So, like, um, every time an order comes in, um, I mean, it's, it's pre-made now, but like every time an order comes in, the guy goes out to the, uh, to the, uh, the fabric mill, buys the fabric, then they hand cut everything. Then they sew everything in-house. So uh-huh. it's 100% custom. So it's not like something that's sitting on the shelf. We're just going to throw our logo on and then sell it to you. Because nice. I, me personally, I find that like, A, it doesn't work for everybody. And then B, the quality is trash. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather spend extra couple bucks and give somebody a better quality than just to have, say, I have a brand and I'm selling some piece of crap, Gildan cotton shirts that yeah. shrink, turn into a belly shirt after you wash it. So I like it. So what would you, you know, you're, you're a really motivated guy clearly. And you have like the hustle hustler spirit. And I like that about you. I'm the same way. And what I want to say, what I want to ask you is like, you know, we have a lot of first responders that listen to this show who have, you know, maybe they just kind of, they've gotten shit on for a long time. Right. And they kind of like lost their way a little bit. What would you say to them? Like you clearly have figured out, yo, I'm way more than just a cop and I'll never just be just uh, anything. Like I'm going to be doing all these things. Like, what would you say to them to let them know that they're way more than just, you know, a first responder? So this is what helped me. I recently read a book. uh, It's called uh, power of the subconscious mind. It's $5.49 on Amazon. Um, some doctor wrote it years ago, and, and that helped me a, a lot. So I honestly, like if they're listening to this podcast, the only thing I would say is find something, find a specialty. Like I, for me, like personally, like, yeah, I have a degree and everything, but criminal justice, okay, it's uh, whatever. But I don't think law enforcement in general prepares you for um, life after law enforcement, right? Most of the guys are like, oh, I'm going to go work secondary or I'm going to go be a security guy at a diamond shop or whatever. I'm like, no, once I retire, I retire. And not everybody wants to go out there and start a business. So I, I get that. But I do think as a law enforcement, I, there are a lot of training opportunities. You should quote unquote, become an expert in something and literally just go with it. Because I think law enforcement is such a um, not easy, but like you can easily become an expert in a certain field within law enforcement that is completely untapped. I had a friend of mine, he, he was in crime scene for a very, very long time. He went out, he paid out of pocket because our department didn't pay for it, but he went out of pocket and got uh, expert level certification in crime scene investigator. And he'd been in crime scene for 
I don't know, 16, 17 years. He could tell you everything about the blood spatters and everything else, right? So great guy. I learned a lot from him. And that's what he did. He goes, I've been here for, I don't know, 30 years, whatever he was. He's like, I've been here for this long. And I know how to write a police report, but I don't know how to do anything else. And so he goes, I need to do something after I retire. So he spent, I don't know, six, 700 bucks, got expert level certification, plus with his experience. So now he works for a law firm. All he does, he comes in as an expert witness, charges $300 an hour, and he makes a great living at it. And then he he's also going to police academy to police academy across the country and teaching classes. So I think, I mean, like if you're a street cop, you're only going to run and gun so long. You're only going to get so much dope, so many guns. I mean, yeah, you're going to make a small 0.1% difference in your community. I mean, in grand scheme of things. But if you really want to make, you know, a big difference, you have to specialize, per, I think, in something. Like I was never always in Intel, but when I got picked up for the feds, I was like, they're like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, I really want to do Intel. Um, well, I speak four other languages too. So I was like, I really want to do Intel. So that, that helped. So I was like, I, I really need to do Intel. Uh, I think I can help you guys here, A, B, and C. And then, you know, I just went out, same thing, out of pocket. Um, took a lot of Intel classes um, online, just random classes. They weren't like, you know, uh, from anywhere in particular, but just random, random classes. I took some from Columbia College. I took a couple from, uh, what's that college? Uh, I, it's in Oklahoma, not, not Oklahoma State. It's somewhere in Oklahoma. Uh, and I got a few level certifications and stuff. And then I, when the opening came up, I just put that on my resume. I'm certified in A, B, and C. And honestly, I think that, along with my law enforcement experience, I think that stuck and got me into Intel. And now, I mean, I love it. I mean, the stuff that we do and the stuff that we see on the back and it's like, wow, eye-opening. And, and again, you know, just a couple of years ago, I was just a street cop responding to a domestic call, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so I, I think, I mean, if you're just quote unquote, a street cop and you want to be a detective, you want to be a homicide detective or you want to be a burglary detective, I would start taking those calls much seriously. Like don't just write copy and paste a burglary report, actually knock on a few doors, canvas, and then make your reports look better. Um, I used to, um, in my downtime, re used to read um, homicide reports, just mm -hmm. how I can be a, become a better writer. After 12 years, I mean, yeah, I can write up a pretty good report, but you can always learn. So I would read detectives' reports, and I'd be like, oh, I love the word that. I love this word he used. I love this word. So in my next report, I would try to incorporate that word or that paragraph mm -hmm. in my report just so I can become better. Mm -hmm. uh, and reading a lot of books helped. But again, I think if you want to do something, you have to find a, a niche and just, you know, just run with it. I if, love it. You know, you That's know. what I've been saying for yeah. a I mean, long we, we time. Have, we, have, we have some great SWAT guys, but I was like, man, tactical, tactical, tactical. But once you retire, where are you going to take this tactical experience? I mean, yeah, your house may be the most secure house on the block, but where, <laughs> it, where is the expert level or where is like past law enforcement? Or God forbid, you can get into an accident. And now you're injured. And if you have nothing to fall back on, I mean, you're screwed. The department's going to replace you, mm -hmm. you know? Oh, yeah. So. Well, I like that. And I, and I like how you say the specialized training. The thing is about all first responders is our agencies have to pay. They have to train us. Mm -hmm. So, you, you know, you really set yourself apart by getting specialized training. And it doesn't, like you said, it really doesn't matter what it is in. Just get, become the expert in it. And then you're the go-to for everybody. Um, right. You know, my, my husband, he's a, he's a state trooper and he became a canine handler. And not only did he become a canine handler, he became like, it was like first two years out, he became the canine handler of the year for our state, right? He specialized in this. We, 
it's all we do. We now we have a second Malinois. Like we, he's totally specializing in dogs, you know, and who knows where that's going to bring him into retirement. But I'm just saying like, and his agency has paid for all that training and all that knowledge. They're like, yeah, we want you to be the best so you can come and bring it right. to us, but then also, you know, be smart about it. So it helps you in retirement. So I think that's just such great advice. Yeah. Um, mastermind, do we have any questions? Okay, go ahead. Um, what advice would you give other law enforcement officers that are opening up a business with a law enforcement team? Um, man, I mean, I love the thin blue line, but please stop making the shirts with just a thin blue line flag on the back and says nobody fights alone in this fight or whatever honest courage and whatever else. I mean, it's great, but you know, we gotta be original. We can't just keep, you know, slapping stickers on t-shirts and just trying to make a buck because I mean you have to differentiate yourself like when I started mine a lot of people like oh it's too basic it's too simple I was like that's what I want I'm like honestly if nobody buys it that's fine because I want simple not everybody wants to just wear you know scream look at me I'm a cop I'm a cop type of stuff um so I mean but you know to each their own if that's what they want to do I'm not going to discourage them I mean like hey all at it I mean honestly you can DM me on Instagram I don't hide anything I'm very transparent damn, I'll even connect you with my suppliers. I mean, you can be my competitor. I don't care. It doesn't, it doesn't, that, to me, it doesn't bother me. Like if I can help you, I'll be more than happy to help you. Cause I mean, honestly, I did research myself. I did everything on my own, uh, YouTube and reading books and everybody I've asked to like, honestly, I've gotten a cold shoulder, like, Oh, like, you know, whatever. They don't want to help you. But I mean, I wasn't brought up that way. So that's just not in me. So I'm just all about helping you because if I help you today, guess what? Maybe six months from now, I may need something from you. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I can, hey, call you. Be like, hey, can you help me? You're going to go the extra mile to help me out. So I don't know why everything is such a secret. Everybody's like, oh, that's this and that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that, but that's just me. But not everybody thinks of it that way or looks at it that way. So, but that's what I would say. Honestly, I mean, you can DM me. I can help you with whatever. If I, ha- if I can, I'll help you with whatever I can. Um, but if you're going to do anything, make sure you know your market and you do your research. And sometimes the idea sounds great. I've, I probably fall asleep on great ideas every night, but the next morning I wake up like, Oh my God, that was the dumbest thing I thought last night. So, <laughs> you know, so take time, take your time, take your time. Ellen's pretty quiet. She's probably drinking her coffee. I'm surprised she's not like off the walls. Exactly. She's it's got like, her coffee. It's like a seventh cup of coffee for the day. <laughs> you expect anything less? No. <laughs> That's number six, actually. Oh, I was close. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't let Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman know that, please. He would not be happy. <laughs> well, thank you, Tony. Thank you so much for being on here. Um, and tell us, again, I, I've said it, you're, to find Tony, you'll be able to get him on the socials. It's at The Badge Life on Instagram, Badge Life on Facebook. And what's your website? The Badge Life or badgelifeapparel.com, whatever. It's, or you can just Google it. So we pop up now in Google, which is good. So <laughs> Pretty simple, pretty easy for us to find you. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been amazing to talk with you. I'm so excited that you're on here. Sheepdog Nation, we'll see you next time. Thanks for having me. They buried me in the water and I came I knew. Ha ha. Now I'm baptized in blue I'm a fighter, I'm a never quit I refuse to lose I got heart and I got gritty I'm a warrior That's been baptized in blue I'm a warrior That's been baptized
Family, country, and town The media don't cover us huh. Well, maybe Fox, cause MSNBC and CNN Surely don't care about cops Politicians more concerned about protecting the legal Instead of laying the law down And protecting the people Let me get off my soapbox Before I curse I don't see way too many cops Riding in hearse Well, I wouldn't expect you to understand What I do, only the thin blue light Cause they baptized in blue uh. I'm a fighter Will I never quit? I refuse to lose. I got heart and I got gritty. I'm a warrior. Just been baptized in blue. I'm a warrior. Just been baptized in blue. I'm a fighter. I'm gonna complete it if that means being deleted I live with the credence I do this for the combat vets and Leos When I'm suited, ready to go It's either friend or foe Only Lord knows what my future's in store I only kill with the hope to see more So God don't close that door If I take a life, it's him or me with the host to survive, not big a tree I go in situations that you cannot imagine Deal with things that you cannot fathom No if buts or rather I'd rather fight for cause than live for nothing So when you read my headstone, you know I died for something You hypersensitive, she complain by justified force You blame the cops first, that don't work, you blame the courts But I wouldn't expect you to understand what I do Only the thin blue line, cause they baptized in blue oh, I'm a fighter Will I never quit? I refuse to lose. I got heart and I got gritty. I'm a warrior. Just been baptized in blue. I'm a warrior. Just been baptized in blue. I'm a fighter. Never win or never quit. I refuse to lose. I got heart and I got gritty. I'm a warrior. Just been baptized in blue. I'm a warrior. Just been baptized in blue. Oh.